Welcome to the Singapore Management University podcast series, where we feature the latest insights and perspectives from our faculty. The SMU Analytics for Business, Consumer and Social Insight Area of Excellence explores practical and smarter ways to make sense of data at scale and to leverage data analytics for improved decision-making, planning and resource allocation. Big data refers to the vast volumes of digital data swamping the globe, usually from traditional online sources such as corporate spreadsheets and newer social media content such as photos, videos and text messages. There's also a new trend of using mobile devices to obtain deep data about offline or physical world human activities. By analysing these two sets of information, organisations can gain insights into consumer habits, boost operational efficiency and improve decision-making. Associate Professor Archam Misra from SMU's School of Information Systems conducts research on mobile sensing and analytics and crowd-scale activity recognition. He's also a director at the SMU Live Labs Urban Lifestyle Innovation Platform, a city-scale research testbed with progressive technologies for companies to run large-scale consumer behavioural trials and experiment with novel mobile services on real people in real environments. In this podcast, Associate Professor Misra shares his insights on the benefits of research into mobile sensing and analytics, as well as the work undertaken by Life Labs. Professor, your areas of research include mobile sensing and analytics and crowd-scale activity recognition. Can you explain to us what these are? Uh, most certainly. So before I explain what mobile sensing and crowd analytics are, let me spend like just a couple of seconds to explain the difference of how this field is from the traditional analytics areas. So a lot of my colleagues are working in what you call big data analytics. And if you look at the field of analytics over the last, I would say, a decade, most of the sources of this data and you know the genesis of this field of analytics has come from two primary sources of data. Initially, it was transactional data on websites, bank records, you know, transactions you did in stores, etc. And you can analyze that to get an understanding of what consumers want, what their preferences are, etc. Then there was a move towards analysis of social media data, which several of my colleagues are doing. So this is the kind of post that you post on Facebook, on Twitter, who you follow. That gives you an idea of your interests, your attitudes, um, and also your preferences in terms of products, you know, affiliations, etc. Now, where I'm going with my research is I start off with the mobile phone. And the mobile phone is no longer a phone, but it's really become a great sensing tool. You carry it with you everywhere you go. Now, what that means is there's this, you don't live your life in the online world alone. In fact, the vast majority of your life, you live in the offline world. So what that means is that when you visit coffee shops, you visit malls, you visit MRT stations, you do interactions in the physical world. You stop in front of a store to look at a window display. You queue in front of a coffee shop, and maybe you go with your friends, Maybe one day you go alone. And it's the ability of the mobile phone to capture these insights and data via the various sensors that it has. So we have the capability with the mobile phone to understand that you're walking or taking an elevator. We have the capability to understand you're queuing alone or in a group of people. We have the capability to understand that you paused in front of a certain store window display, and therefore we have an ability to divine what interests you might be having at that particular time. So this is the broad field of mobile analytics, and you mentioned about crowd scale activity recognition. So 
a lot of the technical research, how do we make sure that you're standing or walking? So in the lab, the classical setting is we collect data from you individually, and then we build a model. And that system works in sort of a proof of concept way. But when we have to deploy these things on tens of thousands or hundreds of thousands of consumers, we really don't have the ability to bring everybody in and build a model just for them. So crowd scale activity recognition is a way that says, we understand there are differences in the way you walk and the way I walk, but can we sort of cross-fertilize models from one person to another? So we can take you know, a few selected set of people and build models, but then sort of expand and adapt those models to the diversity of behavior exhibited by large groups of people. So those are my focus areas um, of my research. But how do they benefit businesses and the men in the street? The benefits, I would say, are manifold. So I'm going to break it up into two parts. So think of it in terms of the businesses. So the examples I told you, there are benefits to retailers, to you know, merchants, to better understanding consumers. So I won't make the following claim, that everything we're doing, the most precious commodity of um, resources these days, is human attention. So what technology is doing, you know, you're inundated by data all around. It's helping you focus on what's important. So if you think of it from a retailer's point of view, they can send you thousands of coupons and thousands of ads. But if they know that you are standing in front of a store and looking at a pair of khakis, then that's a much better indicator that that's what they should be sending to you. So it's helping retailers better engage with consumers. Now, let's take the other example. You're standing in front of a coffee shop and the queue is very long, so there's a good chance you'll get frustrated. Now, that is an, an excellent opportunity for the retailer to placate you by actually sending you a discount or a little incentive at that point saying, sorry for the long wait today, but here's 5% off your latte. Now, it's a way for retailers to increase customer satisfaction and customer interaction. Now, on the other hand, on the consumer side, what is the benefit to you? You have all these ads, all these coupons in various places, but if a system is better able to understand what you're doing, it'll be able to give you better recommendations as well. It can tell you that that place is crowded, um, you know, you want a quiet place to sit down with your friends, so it'll tell you that's not the place to go. I would recommend another alternative coffee shop which may be across the street. So again, it is helping to, by better understanding of your activities and preferences, it's enabling you to focus and uh, lead your life more effectively. Let's talk about Life Labs. Projects undertaken by Life Labs involve the deployment of test bits at multiple locations. Can you tell us more on where these test bits are conducted and why? First, I will have to describe the Life Labs project itself because it's one of the major research centers at SMU. And this is a center that's sort of jointly directed by my colleague, uh, Professor Rajesh Balan, and myself. And what the Life Labs test bed is doing is taking these mobile analytics technologies and it's taking it to the real world and trying to test out experimental new services. So the example I gave of a coffee shop trying out discounts if you're in a queue. Now we can test these in the lab, but let's see what happens with real consumers in real coffee shops. And that's the kind of experimental analysis and study of consumer behavior that Live Labs enables us to do. Now there are many venues in Singapore that we're sort of exploring and actively engaged in. So we have a full-fledged live lab system working at SMU. We have thousands of our students who are participants in this testbed right now. We're also actively working with Changi Airport. 
uh, to take these technologies and understand the behavior of passengers as well as visitors to Changi. We have um, multiple collaborations in the pipeline with various shopping mall operators in Singapore as well as big entertainment leisure convention venues. And eventually we also have um, the plans to go and deploy this at Sentosa, which is sort of a leisure resort here in Singapore. And um, the best way I would describe this is we're progressively going to expand our footprint to various large urban public venues. These could be stadiums, these could be sports centers, these could be train stations, etc. But these are some of the tangible partners that I talked about. Now, in terms of the overall research, both within Live Labs and even beyond it, we're uh, very fortunate to be collaborating with some very interesting uh, global technology partners. So one example of that, I would say, is IBM Research. We're collaborating with IBM Research to figure out what we call understanding shopping intentions of shoppers in retail stores. So again, going back to the mobile sensing and analytics capability, uh, we have the capabilities under investigation right now where we say, you're in a store, you tried on a pair of shoes, you lingered in front, you know, you picked out a piece of clothing, we can capture those insights. We can see how long you lingered in a particular aisle and then get a better sense of certain questions. Are you really there to shop? Or are you just there to browse? Are you confused about what brand to buy? So if we can have this understanding, then the store assistants, the shopping assistants, can engage you better and give you an increased customer satisfaction. Another example a global partnership is with Xerox Research. So with Xerox, we're exploring this uh, phenomenon of mobile crowdsourcing. So there are many um, you know, capabilities that we have today um, that an urban population is the best sensor in many ways. Now, let me give you an example. You want to figure out the queue in the Kopitiam. Or a company that has a promotional arrangement with a 7-Eleven store wants to know if the 7-Eleven store actually has displayed their product on the top shelf as promised. Now, they can have employ a dedicated staff to go that, do that, but that's not very cost effective. So why not use citizens? Every person in this sort of ur dense urban city, um, pay them micropayments and ask them to do these tasks and report back. So this is called crowdsourcing. Now where we come in is because we have an understanding through your mobile devices of the context that you have. Where are you likely to go next? So if you're going to pass by the Kopitiam, you would be a good candidate for this crowdsourcing task. But in addition, if you're alone, you may be a good candidate. If you're there with your office colleagues, that may not be the best time to tell you to do this piece of work. So it's all this deeper understanding that we have that enables us to explore these novel forms of crowdsourcing with Xerox. Listening to you, if companies are able to harness this technology through mobile phones to capture and observe the behavior of consumers, wouldn't individual privacy be an area of concern? Oh, most definitely it would. And this is an area that we take very seriously, both in research and in practice. So my personal attitude is that privacy is very important, but it should be left to the discretion of the individual. And the individual is the best person empowered to make this decision. And the way we work is that you know, we collect data in Life Labs, but first we anonymize it. But more importantly, we give the participant the discretion to say, I don't want this data to be collected, or I don't want this data to be collected in these places. And this is how I would be willing to let it be used, and this is how I would not let it be used. And in addition, there's a very important characteristic of Life Labs. So the example I gave you that a coffee shop trying out the strategy that if you're queuing, I want to see what happens if I give you a discount. 
Now there's two models in which you can make this work. One model is we can collect the data via Live Labs and tell the coffee shop, look, person X is standing in front of your store. You want to give them a discount? Sure, go ahead. But to us, this is sort of violating your privacy already because you're telling the coffee shop owner that you're standing. So the model we have is we don't actually tell this information to the coffee shop owner. Instead, we act as an intermediary. We let the coffee shop owner specify their intervention to our platform, and we deliver it to our participants, and we tell you the end result. So we'll tell you out of the 20, 40-year-old males who got this discount, only 10 of them took this discount. So we're not revealing the individual identity. Rather, we're giving you the aggregated result of how different demographic segments have reacted to this particular uh, intervention or promotion. Professor, SMU places an emphasis on generating multidisciplinary research. How does Life Labs collaborate with the various schools in SMU? I'll answer that again in two halves. So interdisciplinary research doesn't always have to be with other schools. First, within even the clusters in our school, we're doing a fair amount of interdisciplinary research. So a couple of quick examples of that. So I mentioned about the Xerox project and that we're trying to recommend tasks to you. So that is something I'm doing with several of my colleagues in the decision analytics cluster we have. Um, my role is to give you a better understanding of the consumer, you know, what they're doing, are they alone, where are they likely to go next. But you have thousands of tasks and tens of thousands of individuals. Who should you assign which task? That is a decision optimization problem that I investigate jointly with my colleagues. Now, similarly, we talked about better understanding of consumers in public spaces, and I talked about you know, the social media feeds, Twitter, Facebook, etc. So we can actually combine these two to have a better understanding of what people are doing. So are people in a queue expressing frustration about a product? So that's the kind of work I do with my colleagues in our data mining and analytics cluster as well. So there's inter interdisciplinary research going on even within the school. Now, outside the school, there are two specific schools that we have sort of strong collaboration with. Uh, we're actively looking uh, with partners in our business school, especially in the marketing discipline, uh, people who want to understand the effects of these promotions and um, interventions. So a very specific example I can give you, we did with partners from Carnegie Mellon University as well. So we actually ran a promotional study on the Subway sandwich shop that we had. And we were able to capture and understand the effects of promotions and when they were effective to people. And was it a function of how far they were from the shop? Was it a function of how many people there were in the group, etc.? So we're already sort of working with our schools and universities worldwide in so I would call the business and marketing area. The last area I would point out is in the School of Social Sciences. So several of my colleagues are actually working uh, with colleagues in social sciences and in organizational behavior in the, in, in the business school to figure out what causes us stress. Now, you know it's a very stressful society we live in. So we are actually able to capture, you know, not just the markers of stress, but also understand the context. So you said you got stressed. Is it because you were in a crowded place? Did you have to, like, stand in the bus when coming in today? Is it because you had to wait in line in a coffee shop? So we can tease out these underlying physical contributors of stress. And this is immensely interesting to our sort of sociology and psychology partners to understand sort of the urban landscape of people's minds. Very interesting work indeed. Thank you very much, Professor. Thanks very much for having me.